morning. morning. Awesome. I'm so glad to be preaching my first sermon in in the midst of good company, you know? (laughs) So I think it's going to be fun. We'll dive right into it, yeah? How was y'all's week? Good. Good? Yes. So, um, growing up in Nigeria was pretty fun. I grew up in a Christian home, and after, after a very interesting conversation with one of my cousins, I gave my life to Christ. Went to school the next day, and I had the whole class's attention. I was just sharing from my heart what I thought was the gospel, you know? And to my amazement, it was just like, everyone was like listening to me. So I was just like, all right, we're going to keep up. We're going to keep talking and keep talking. Well, that day also happens to be the one and only day my best friend comes to school with a can of beer in fifth grade. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm talking, enjoying my, my, my spotlight and... He pulls it out and he's like, who wants to try one? You know, who wants to try beer? And like over half of the class just gravitates towards him. And I'm standing there going, I want to try one. You know, like, I'm stressing. So like, <laughs> he's passing it around. People are like taking a sip. And, and something was telling me, don't try it. Don't try it. If you do, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess things up. But... I gave in, and I was like, let me, let, me, let me just try a little bit. So I took it from him, and immediately after this week, the whole class turned on me. Like, oh, preacher dude, you know. <laughs> you were just telling us about Jesus and all this thing, and you're the one trying... You're the one trying beer now. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, I'm not the only one. You guys were doing it too. Um, so it kind of ruined uh, that uh, little platform I had and that opportunity I had to share with them what I thought was real in my life at that time. So fast forward, um, growing up in my, in my parents' home, there was a lot of love. We were pretty close. There was a lot of security in so, in so many sense. Um, there was also a lot of, there was also quite a bit of financial security in there. And me and my siblings were pretty close, especially me and my uh, second oldest brother. And then he got to a point where there was some personal issues, major personal issues going on with him that really rocked every relationship in our family. Uh, the peace was gone. It's just a lot of brokenness from within. And so we find ourselves in a place where we're seeking for answers. You know, what's wrong with brother? And how can we help him out? And, in, and we mostly gravitated. My, my parents mostly went the spiritual route. You know, churches were the place where you would go for pretty much everything. You know, you got malaria, go to church, let the pastor lay hands on you. You know, um, but in that season, in that midst of searching for answers and solutions, I found Christ. Uh, and he became real to me. He, he was more real to me than I've ever experienced it before. And I was really enjoying this new life that, man, like, this is the bomb. 
So through this experience, I stopped watching porn. Um, through, this, through this experience, a lot of sexual things that were in my life at that time just kind of just fell off. And I really, really was enjoying this. Fast forward, I come to college, and there was college was a little rocky for me, and there was just a few spaces in there where I went back to porn. And then I started dating. It became really hard to just keep, <laughs> keep the sexual purity, you know? So what began to happen in this, in my mind was, I began to buy into this idea that I'm the kind of person that will always struggle with this. I'm the kind of person that would always struggle with sexual purity. That's just it, I'm saved or whatever, but that's, but that's just it. So, and I know that like in this room right now, that there are ideas, there are images, there are identities here that are driving a certain lifestyle, a certain mindset, certain choices and action. And until those ideas, until those images, until those identities are exposed, then we will continue in, in said lifestyle, said choices, said experiences. Um, we are in a series called Enough. Uh, it's been a wonderful series. Um, Sam, Sam kicked it off with Jesus is enough. And then Paul Church comes in behind him with, because Jesus is enough, you are enough. And, yes, and last week, it was, because Jesus is enough, we have freedom in Christ. There's, no, there's none of all these other things you have to do, plus or minus Jesus. Jesus is enough. And this week, it's a privilege of mine to land this plane with uh, what I think is uh, the most difficult in the text, but nonetheless, God is up, God is up for the challenge, and we can do this, yeah? <laughs> so, clicker. Would you mind skimming to the first slide? We'll go right into the text. So, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated, where, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So Paul pretty much like lays out the gospel here for, for the Colossians. You're dead in Christ. You are alive in Christ. Because of what Christ did when we respond to his calling, we enter into his death and we come alive with a new life. So in light of this new life, in light of this new life we, we have, it's going to take setting our minds on Christ, setting our hearts on Christ to become more like Christ. <clears throat> I 
And then, and then he goes ahead to say, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So, so he's telling them that like, when you begin to set your heart on Jesus, when you begin to intentionally set your mind on Jesus, things are going to change. All of a sudden, the way you used to view things like sex changes. Sexual identity changes. Thought life changes. How we handle um, careers and money changes. He begins, God comes in and, and he exposes those ideas that we have, right? And whatever is not in line with the person of Jesus Christ, you put it to death. He put it to death. He doesn't tell them kind of die to this, maybe die to this. Someday you would die to this. It's like, put it to death. These are things that are not in line with Jesus because this is the, these are the ways you used to live, but not anymore. That's not who you are anymore. Who you were is dead. The life you have now, you have in Christ. <clears throat> but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as this. So he keeps going. He doesn't stop there. Um, anger, rage malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. That one for me gets me. Because um, I remember one time here in service, I, uh, somebody needed help. And it was after Sam had gotten done preaching. So I was like, oh, I know. Let me just take you to Sam, you know? Without even thinking about it. So afterwards, as Sam and the person was having that interaction, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, no, this is something that I should have handled. You know, this is not something I should have put on Sam. And then later on, I, I was apologizing to him for not handling that situation. He asked me, well, did you know what the situation was? And immediately I said, no, I didn't know. <laughs> I was well aware of what the situation was, you know. But it was just like in that moment, it's something with me and, and, and safety. I need to feel safe, you know, in order to tell what I know is true. Um, but in that moment, I was, I was just so like, if I said, you know, I didn't even think about it. Like, so I went home and, and, and like, I was, all, I was all like, why did I lie? Why did I lie? Like, it's not even that big of a deal. Like, Simon's not going to be mad. Like, why did I lie? And then I came here the next day, just kind of like sneaking around. And then finally, like, Sam, I lied. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, do not lie to each other since you have taken up the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So this renewal process, this becoming like Jesus process, Paul is like, it's not a passive thing. 
I believe that's what he's trying to communicate to the Colossians here, is it is intentional. Put, in, put into death old ways in our life, habits in our body, tendencies that we have. It's very intentional. Becoming like Christ is very intentional. It's not, we're not going to wake up one day and like go, holier today than I was yesterday. You know? <laughs> Speaking in tongues, saved and all that stuff. <laughs> you know, like, like the analogy I love the most about this is, is I heard someone say like, it's an upstream paddle and we don't magically appear upstream. We keep paddling. We keep paddling. So it's intentional, it's consistent, and it's decisive. It's a process we're partaking daily. <clears throat> and then he goes ahead. Here there is no Gentile or Jew. I love this place. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all. But Christ is all and is in all. So like, at first when I read this, I, I felt like, this didn't really flow well with what he was telling them to die to. But then later on, it really made more sense. He's like, he's telling them, hey, die to racism. Because Christ, in this new life, all that matters now is Christ. It doesn't matter if you're Gentile or Jew, you know, in our context, white, black, Hispanic, um, Asian. If I miss not anybody, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Die to racism. Because, and it's not that we don't see race, right? That's ridiculous, right? I hear that a lot. Um, no, no. But how we treat you and how we respond to you, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what race, it doesn't matter what religious background you come from. You know? Maybe you like to dress differently because of your faith, or maybe you... For you, it's speaking in tongues, or for them, it was circumcised. Are you, are you circumcised or are you not circumcised? It's like, die to that. These are man-made barriers. And he also tells them, die to how you treat and respond to people because of their nationality. Because here, all that matters is Christ. Christ is all and in all. Die to classism. So how we treat um, a homeless person that walks off the street in here, how we respond to that person, how we treat that person should not be different from how we treat somebody that comes in here and is of a higher class. So I'm died to all of this. This is not who you are, who you are. All that matters here now is Christ. And what he says about you what he thinks about you, and what he has done. I'm getting ahead. So, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. I love this. You know, he, 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 he just nails it on the head. This is who you are now. Not Gentile, not Jew, not, you know, these are not the things that matters the most. Not what matters is you are God's chosen people. You are holy. You are dearly loved. 
that's huge for me because when I don't, I used to be in a very like sensitive place. Like before you even say much to me, I could tell right away what your heart is towards me. I could tell if you're the type that will come here and just kind of like, well, these are the ABCs of what you need to do with your life. And I immediately put up my wall, like step back, you know, because I don't need that. Um, so, and when I saw somebody that like was genuine and had a really hot, and had a good heart of love, spot on. I, um, but it was a place of woundedness that caused that. And thankfully God has done a lot of healing with that. So he tells them that, man, you are dearly loved. <laughs> to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Um, what I was thinking here was that, like, you know, Paul, Paul calls them, you're God's chosen. See, it, it doesn't matter anymore what you show up as. You're God's chosen people. You are dearly loved. You are holy. And I'm thinking, what if we saw ourselves? What if we saw other people first and foremost as God's child? What if we saw ourselves? What if we saw other people as, man, that's someone God dearly loves. First and foremost, before all the other identities we wear, how would that change how we treat and respond to one another? How would that change how we even show up? I think, I think with that, my, with that true identity that, man, first and foremost, I am a child of God. First and foremost, I am someone that is dearly loved. First and foremost, I am holy because God makes me holy. I think what that would begin to do is it would begin to, we can, we can respond better in kind when someone has a different opinion of us. Maybe because of how we look. Maybe because of where we're from. We can respond better in compassion because, because the truth is what you think of me, what you say about me, what your perception is of me has no bearing whatsoever. Has no bearing on who I am. Who I am is God's child. Who I am is someone that is dearly loved by God. Who I am is holy. I think we can begin to respond more in kind, instead of like, you know, retaliation or like me, I just put up my wall and just like, oh, I'm just going to not be around you. <laughs> um, I think so. I think we can begin to respond more and more like 
with a forgiveness and seeing the other person's brokenness. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever we choose to partake in, um, some people for religious reasons do not watch certain movies, do not hang out certain places, do not, do not partake in certain lifestyle. Paul is saying, whatever you choose to do in your word or in your deed, do it all because of Jesus. <clears throat> so God began to work in my heart after um, doing my internship with Kai Alpha and began to expose this idea that like, Basil, you are a new creation. This is not, this person that thinks that this is always going to be a struggle. Yes, you go a year or a few months and then you, and then you lapse. I almost said lapse. Um, and then you lapse. This is not who you are. Who you are, Basil, is a child of God. Who you are is holy. Um, so this mental friend, friend of mine began to speak this over my life and I began to like actually like take this in and after I came here I feel like Sam really just like you know put the finishing touches to that for me um, because there were times where I just felt like oh my gosh am I really am I really free you know like trying to test it so um, so in light of in light of who in light of Jesus in light of Jesus knowing that in this new life we have now in Christ, right? All that matters here is Christ. In light of Jesus, what do we do with the images? What do we do with the ideas? What do we do with the identity that we have that are in contrast or in opposition to who Jesus is? When Jesus says, Man, this is what sex is. This is how I've created it to fulfill you, to glorify God. What do, we, what, what do you do with the idea that I'm always going to have a, you know, mess up every now and then and it's okay, Jesus, you know? But maybe... But maybe you've checked up the sexual sin box. That's not you. You're, you're good on that end. But let's explore other, others as well. Um, what about the idea of security? We go to college. We get a four-year degree. You get a nice job. You marry your trophy wife. You make some okay kids. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was not intended to be a shot at it, I, but and like 
There's this sense of security in that. But sometimes he just comes in there and he goes, I want you to leave this comfort. I got a different plan for your life. I got a higher, I got a higher calling for your life. It's not somewhere you've been. It's not something you've done before. But come. What about that? What about that idea that, man, life is supposed to be, that we have, that life is supposed to be, at, at, at this age, I should be secure in this, that area. And Jesus is calling you out to a place where it's like, man, I could drown there. There is no security whatsoever. What do we do with that idea? What do we do with those desires? What do we do with those dreams? What about fear? Fear of disappointment. God is like, I want you to, I want you to go. I want you to go after this. No, I, I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be disappointed. I've been disappointed in the past. I've been hurt in the past. That's not me. I'm just going to stay in this safe place. What do we do with that idea? What do we do with those identity we begin to wear? That we are, I am a certain kind of person that when I go out into this particular space, I get disappointed. Nine out of ten times, I get disappointed. What about the sin of greed and selfishness? What about the sin of jealousy? Does it, does it ache when you see someone else doing well? And is it because you, and, it, and is it because you think that that something that good cannot happen for you, that your God is not good enough, that He is tailor making something that fits you perfectly? What about apathy and selfishness? There's just this lack of care and concern for other things and other people. As long as it doesn't directly affect me, I'm good. How about this? Whom do we show up as first and foremost? Do we show up as heterosexual, first and foremost? And think we're good because we're heterosexuals. Do we show up as other sexual, first and foremost? And because there's, there's a lot that's not understood, and because there's, you know, the church can be hostile to those kind of people. We kind of like guide, guard ourselves and put up walls. And it becomes hard to really let Jesus into that space for him to speak truth. What about the, the different ways we show up as Americans? I'm not an American, but I'm just going to include myself in there. <laughs> I see as an, as an, as an outsider, I, I think I have a unique perspective 
on some of the things I see here with race. I see, I see a group that show up sometimes looking to be offended. Um, and I see another group that shows up with, without the humility and the listening ears of what, what other people might be going through. And I think it's because of the way we show up first, not being aware of all those things. What about the way we show up as Christians in the church? You know, sometimes we, you get into different spaces where people show up as men. I am saved speaking in tongues, prophesy, and all that jazz, you know. And if you're not doing the same, you must love Jesus a little bit less than I do. <laughs> you know, because I believe everyone should be prophesying and speaking in tongues. All right, are you brother? You're going to hell, all right? Mm, you know. And then there is the other end of the pendulum where it's all intellectual. I have this figured out. I've thought this through. And you just sound dumb. <laughs> you know? In light of all these different ideas, in light of all these different identities we wear, in light of all these different images we that kind of are behind the that are, are behind lifestyles and Paul's response to all that is die, put it to death. If it doesn't line up with who Jesus is, you die. It doesn't say kind of die to this, maybe die to this. It's okay, you know, like I understand where you're coming from and experiences you've, you've, and there's room for that, yes. But at the end of the day, those things are not in line with who Jesus is and they have to die. So the reality of sin is that it stands in opposition to who God is, what God says about you, what God has done. It says that you are not enough. Jesus is definitely not enough. But the truth is, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And because he's enough, you are enough. So, <clears throat> I have this here. I would, would like some assistance passing this out. Um... This is something that helped me. <clears throat> this is something that helped me a while back with um, stepping into the identity that Jesus wants me to be in. Step, what? Do we need more? There, there are more right there. And it's just a simple prayer, but the consistency of it made a huge difference in my life. Um, praying that I am dead to whatever Jesus is saying, that I'm praying that I am dead to whatever is in contrast to who Jesus is, then praying the opposite, that I am alive. So if, for, for an example, 
I'm dead to hate. I'm alive to forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, the blank there is your name. Insert your name there. Come alive to forgiveness. It's a very, it was a very simple prayer, but um, the consistency of praying this every day in the morning when I wake up at night when I went to bed actually began to help me set my mind on Jesus. Actually, this is, yes, there's truth in this. This is who I am. So I just want to share that with you, and you can fill that out. Whatever it is that Jesus has highlighted for you, and whatever the opposite is, whatever it is that he wants to bring alive in you, write that in there, and in the name of Jesus, insert your name, speak to yourself, and command that thing to come alive. Because it is alive. So what would we... What would it look like if we actually began to die to ourselves? If we actually began to die to the identities and the ideas that we have that are not in line with Jesus? What, what, would, what would we as an individual begin to look like? What would we as, uh, as, as the people of God begin to look like? And what kind of impact are we going to have on this world? I'm going to pray for us and we'll go eat some good barbecue. <laughs> Father, I thank you because you are good. I thank you that you call us child. I thank you that you call us, that you've made us holy, that you've made us pure. And you say, Lord, that we are dearly loved by you. Thank you for the freedom that we get to have in light of those truths. Lord, I pray that this morning and today, that every idea, every image, every identity that is not in line with you, that is, that is in operation and in this place, that those things will begin to die today in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that the spirit, that your spirit will begin to become alive and active in our lives. Lord, igniting compassion, igniting kindness, igniting forgiveness, igniting hope, igniting igniting every good thing that you have made available for us because of your life, death, and resurrection. I pray that we will no longer cling on to the lies of the enemy that, and the different ways we settle for less. So we'll come and speak to the hearts and minds of everyone here and those watching and come and reveal your truth. And God, give us the strength to walk it out. Even when it doesn't feel like it. In Jesus' name, amen.